thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is life to us. And Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts this morning to receive from your word. We would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, and that word would do us good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me to an Old Testament book, Hosea, chapter 4. If you're looking, if you're trying to find Hosea, it's right next to Daniel. Other, other than that, you can go to the contents in your Bible and find it. But I'm going to put it on the screen for you, but if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to try and find Hosea as well. I think sometimes, because we have screens with scriptures on, we get out of the habit of turning to scriptures ourselves. So if you've got a Bible with you, please turn to Hosea chapter 4. I want to continue talking, as I did last week, on creating a culture of hope in our community that that would be the very DNA of who we are. And I just want to, before I, I do that, just want to share a couple of scriptures via introduction, really, on the importance of the teaching of the Word of God. So Isaiah chapter 4, verse 6 says this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. It's quite a strong statement, isn't it? But uh, so often in our Christian culture, we don't think we need to know very much. It's just about being carried along with the Spirit. And I love to be carried along by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can only speak to you that which you have in your heart of the Word of God. The Word and the Spirit don't work independently from each other. They're very much together and they very much uh, complement each other. It's interesting, it doesn't say here that my people are destroyed because I want to destroy them. It doesn't say here my people are destroyed because the devil wants to destroy them. It says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The word there in Hebrew is perception, but it's also to do with, with receiving the word and that changing your perception. So when you, when you receive the heart of God in the scripture to you, it changes the way you think. It changes the way you think about you, it changes the way you think about others, it changes the way you think about God. And there's a scripture that we kind of misquote a lot uh, when dealing with the teaching of the word, and it's this one from 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. And it's not a misquote, but we quote it out of context. It says, knowledge puffs up, but love's built, love builds up. And this is this kind of problem we have sometimes in the church where you know, it's all about love, which, you know, you know it's all about love. I talk so much about the love of God and, and want to see that manifest amongst us. But the knowledge of God is not against the love of God. And knowledge, the knowledge that puffs up here, if you look at the contents of the scripture, is not talking about knowing the Bible. It's not talking about the knowledge of the gospel. It's not talking about knowing your scripture. It's not saying that knowing your scripture will puff you up. It's not saying that if you... Under a lot of teaching and preaching, you know, you, you're just going to be puffed up and it's not going to do you any good. It's not saying that at all. It's saying a specific thing. So let's look at it in context. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge, what knowledge? The knowledge of idols and food sacrificed to idols. This puffs us up, but love builds us up. Can you see how subtly a scripture can be taken out of context and be used to bash people over the head who want to 
receive the preaching and teaching of the word on a regular basis. We don't know fully yet how much word, when it's preached and taught, goes into our spirit. Our spirit can receive more than our mind can. And as I said yesterday at the Hope College event, that I had a wonderful evening meal on Friday night, my mother's birthday, and my wife cooked salmon kedgeri. It's a beautiful dish. It's heavenly. It's a heavenly platter before you. Getting excited to think about it. And basically, just to enjoy and know that that food, salmon is good for you. Rice is good for you. It was doing me good. Amen? Amen. Chili was in there. Chili's good for you. Ginger was in there. Ginger's good for you. These are good things that the Lord has made. Garlic is good for you. Well, I, I, you know, it is good for you. It, it builds you up. It's, 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 it's things that can stop cancer. These things that God has made, they're good for us, amen? We, we, some of us are going to embark on celebrating Gracie's birthday in a minute with a curry, hallelujah. <laughs> I know I've only got some of you with that, but I tell you, this was a good meal that I had. But I tell you, as I'm taking this meal in, I know it's doing me good, I know it's bringing nutrition into my body. I don't know everything about that meal. I know some of the ingredients. I don't know how she's prepared it. I don't know what some of the spices she's put in it. I don't know how she's prepared it. I don't know everything about it, but I know it's doing me good. And sometimes you may sit under the word and you think in your mind, I've only grasped about 10, 15% of what's been said. But in your spirit, it's doing you good. On the inside of you, it's doing you good. It's building you up on the inside. It's making a difference in your spirit and in your soul. James put it this way. He says, humbly accept the word of God that's able to save your soul. So let me say this to you. We can't have enough teaching and preaching of the word of God. Just as we can't have enough encounter of the Holy Spirit. We need both in great big dollops. Amen? Because these... These are the means of grace by which we are built up in our most holy faith. And just as in the natural, you don't take one meal once a week or once every couple of weeks or once every fortnight or once every month. You at least have one good meal a day to build sustenance, to build nutrition. So it is with the Word of God. Not just a little tidbit of a, a verse, I'll, I'll just read a verse and I'll be, I'll be satisfied. No, there's a sense of when I'm receiving the preached word and taught word or I'm spending time studying the word, that is a spiritual meal to me and it builds me up. Amen. And therefore, and also I'll tell you what it does as well. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it divides between spirit and soul. The word comes in and divides between your real image in God and your emotions and the stuff that gets in the way of you seeing your real image in God. So when the word comes in, because we are not supposed to be led by our emotions, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. And God wants to renew and heal our emotions and heal up us on the inside. But brothers and sisters, one of the tools in the bag that God will use to heal us up is the word of God. Because the Word of God is powerful and effective. The Word of God is powerful and effective. So I would ask us all, I would ask us all in prayer and in our own time with the Lord to not just go through the motions, 
But to really, as, 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 as those that say they are disciples of Jesus, be people of the book. Be those that let this go deep into their heart. Amen. And let it enrich their lives. Because it's powerful. I'm just reading through the New Testament again lately. And I tell you, I've read it so many times, but I tell you, it's like reading it again afresh. It's just so amazing, the stuff in there. It's life-changing and world-changing. And when you've got Chinese Christians in communist China who sit around a page of the scripture sometimes because they even haven't got a full Bible and we have three on a shelf. And they sit around and this brings them life and they go out and do miracles, signs and wonder. I would say in the West, let's get our act together. Let's get our act together because this is powerful stuff, amen? It's powerful stuff. Okay, Matthew 6, turn there with me, verse 33, I want to talk about the culture and the kingdom that was come amongst us and the culture that we want to see amongst us. Matthew 6, 33, this is from the Amplified Translation, it says this, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you besides. So many things that even as Christians we pursue in life are lesser pursuits than what Jesus called us to. We're here to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me put it a different way. We're here to seek first the way God does things and his righteous identity. That to be our focus because his identity has become our identity in Christ. So therefore we seek that before anything else. It may be comforting to see yourself as lesser than you are on some emotional level. But I tell you brothers and sisters, you are amazing in Christ. You are amazing people in Christ. You have great potential in Jesus to do amazing things for him in this life. Each one of you has the potential to move in miracle, sign and wonder. Each one of you has the potential to be a sign and wonder in this world. Each one of you has the potential to represent Jesus in relationship with him and do amazing things. Casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. This is our inheritance, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus. Seek first. His way of doing things and seek first who he is. When I listen to those words, I think that means relationship, doesn't it? If I'm seeking first the way God operates, how he does things, I need to be around him to know how he does things. It says about God's relationship with Moses, it says that the people saw his miracles and his acts, but Moses knew his ways. And I know, I, I, long, you know, when the testimonies are coming this morning, I want to. I, my prayer is that every single week we have testimonies of people being saved like we had this morning, testimonies of people being healed, set free. Every single time we get together, there's story after story of the life of Jesus flowing, not just in our community, but outside to those around us. I want that to be the case. But I believe that it, it starts from a place where you and I, as Christians and us as a body really want intimacy with God. Yes. Really want intimacy with God. A guy called Kenneth Hagin said this once. He said that I can tell 
if somebody is walking with Jesus, even if they're a Christian, I can tell if they're walking with Jesus by spending 15 minutes with them. Because what will come out of their mouth will, will define whether they are walking with Jesus or not. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why in our culture we want to, want to acknowledge the necessity of the healing of the heart, which happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Word, because out of our heart, out of our mouth, comes what's in our heart. You know, the way God operates is exactly the same way. That which is within Him, it comes out, and what happens? Creation, life, light everything and God wants us so new on the inside spirit and soul that what comes out of us is nothing but miraculous amen Amen. do you believe that God wants us to seek and to understand and to have knowledge of and experience of our righteous identity that because of what Jesus has done and we sang it this morning we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus Not when we have a good day and things go well, but every single day. Even when we make mistakes, we're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even even if we sin, we're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is a state of being. And as we realize that deep inside of us, that we have been washed and we have been cleansed and we have been made righteous because of the blood of Jesus and we have received the victory of Jesus. As we start to realize that and that dawns in our hearts even more and more, what will happen is we'll start to operate the way God operates. We'll start to see things the way he sees things. And our emotions and our everything else will become subservient to what we've seen on the inside. Amen? Okay, this is the culture I shared last week we want to see happen in our community to embrace the Father's heart and allow His love to heal our hearts. We want to see an understanding of our identity, who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And we also want to build a culture of love and honor in our community, those three things. That's where we want to go. And that's going to take us all to really throw ourselves on God to say this is, we don't want just want to play at Christianity or play at church. We are serious in creating a culture that will be a culture of growth and development and we'll see many, many people come to know Jesus. Amen. This is that kind of culture for growth. Amen? Amen? This is where we're headed. With that in mind, Matthew 6 verse 9 to 10, Jesus' prayer says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just say that again if you didn't hear it. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kind of kingdom culture that God wants established is based on his fatherhood, not based on rules and regulations. The kind of kingdom culture that God wants to establish is based on relationship. Not a relationship with rules and principles, but a relationship with the Father that loves us. And God wants us to know deep within us the 
sense of his fatherhood so much more. And, and, and how, how do we know that? How practically can we know that? Ask, ask God to reveal his father's love for you. Ask God to reveal how much you are loved in your own prayer, in your own time with him, when you're in the word. Ask him, ask him to reveal his heart towards you because he will. If you're going to give some time to it, he will reveal it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Last week I shared about this, hallowed be your name means us. Our, our, his name is our name. We have his identity. And God wants his identity hallowed in the earth. He wants his name and his identity to be seen in the earth. Amen? Amen. And when that's happened, when you've got this strong relationship with father to children and when you've got the sense of that those children knowing who they are and knowing what they can do then his kingdom will come on the earth in a way like it's never came before it will come on the earth and we'll see some amazing things but it will take some people to do this here's another scripture Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is a prophecy about Jesus. We sing songs about this at Christmas, some of us, don't we? Well, this is a prophecy about Jesus coming. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's a powerful scripture. But look at it closely. It says the government shall be upon his shoulder. The governance, the authority will be upon his shoulder. The body of Christ contains shoulders, doesn't it? And the body of Christ is meant to govern on behalf of the Father in this earth. The government of this kingdom will be upon the shoulder of Jesus. And you and I are part of that shoulder because we are part of the body of Christ. What a calling you've come into. What an authority you've come into. Can you turn my mic up just a little bit, please? What an authority you've come into. Amen? And his name will be called Wonderful Counsel, a Mighty God. I know these are names that attribute to Jesus, but I'm trying to go somewhere with this. I'm trying to get you to see, like Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit will come and take what is mine and make it known to you. These names don't just describe Jesus the man, they describe Jesus the body in the earth now, the church. Amen. The church is supposed to be wonderful. <laughs> full of wonder. People are supposed to look at you and me and they may know our background and our mistakes and all the things they did wrong and they may love to judge us. But let me say this to you. They want to look at us and say, that is a wonder that God's done that with them. Therefore, I, I, well, I wonder how that happened. God. The church is supposed to be full of wonder. People questioning. This is what happened in the early church. He says, nobody dared join them, but people added daily. There was a question, wow, there's something different about these people. When Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin, the court at the time, because they were preaching in the name of Jesus, one of the things they remarked about these two men, they said, these were common fishermen. 
But, but there's something amazing about them. The authority they speak with. The fact that they move in miracles. The things that they're saying are different to what we've heard before. And it says in one part of Acts that they, it was noted that these men had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. They've been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. We are not here to play church, play Christianity. We're here to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus, who is an eternal Father. He's a wonderful, He's counsel, He's mighty God, He's Prince of Peace. Why? So that which is His can become ours. You know, I, 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 I believe that as a church, as individuals in this community, wherever we go, we can dispense the peace of God, yes. the shalom of God. Yeah. Isn't that what Jesus says to His disciples? Yeah, that's right. He said, if you go into a place and they receive you, leave your peace there. If they don't receive you, take it back and shake the dust off your feet. Interesting, huh? That they had that kind of authority. That when they walked into a place, the atmosphere could change just because they walked in. Wow. That's possible, you know. We receive his peace. What else does it say? This identity will be an everlasting father. The church, I believe, is supposed to parent the world. It's supposed to show the world what it's like to have a a father that loves them. The church is supposed to not be a place where it's a a free-for-all for everybody to do whatever they want, but it's a place where there's a father and there's a family. In my home... People don't do whatever they want, but there's a lot of joy and a lot of peace there. Same with God's family. Because when Father is exalted to the place in our lives that he needs to be exalted, just let me say this to you, everything else will start to fit in place. Peace will start to come into your life like never before. This identity is mighty God. Not by our own might, not by our own power, but by His Spirit. Mighty God. What are we going to accomplish? We'll say, oh, what's going to happen? The building project's been delayed. These people are going. These people are coming. What's going on with the church? It's not going to be by our might, nor by our power. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit that God gets the thing done. Because we're going to see many people. You know, when you look across the church, there's many people with a lot of needs. But we've got a God who's bigger than those needs. And if we allow God to be God amongst us, those things will be met. And there's many other needs to be met outside in our community as well. But you have authority. Let's not pass it off to God. Let's not say you do it, God. He's saying you have authority. You have an identity from me. And you can be like me in this earth. The church is the agent of the kingdom of God on the earth to bestow his grace. The church is the hope for the world. The church is about bringing people to wholeness in Christ. It is about advancing the kingdom of God and it's about speeding the day of Christ's return. Brothers and sisters, I know there's a lot of mistakes that happen in church and we've all at some point been hurt by somebody. But can I just say this to you? You've not been hurt by the body of Christ. You've been hurt by somebody in the body of Christ. Stop saying the church has hurt me or the church has done this. It's quite easy to put a distance between you and and the church when the church is an entity that's done this to you. 
but you've been hurt by somebody who is not fully perfect within the church. But God's heart is for a church to emerge that is the hope for the world. And that will take an understanding of the Father's heart. It will take an understanding of letting him heal us up on the inside. It's going to take an understanding of the identity we have. And it's going to take a grace to know that no matter what mistakes we've made, we're still going to be on course for doing great things for God. And that we can be an encouraging community to one another. A great community to one another. You know... Sometimes in our culture, whether it's a certain culture you've come from, grown up in, or a culture, you know, a certain culture in Britain, we can give ourselves, and I was talking to Dave about this in the week, we can, we can be in a situation where, because of the culture we've come from, we bring that into the culture of the kingdom. So if there's a, a negativity in the culture that we've come from, we bring that into the kingdom. If there's a sense of uh, always, uh, well, having a joke with people, but you're really saying something to them that you really want to say, but you're masking it with a joke, that, that sort of culture, that actually, no, it's not a confrontation, it's kind of an opt-out of confrontation. And sometimes we've got to care enough to confront, haven't we? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and we kind of say stuff, oh, I'm only joking, but you know my point I was really making to you then, take it on board, but don't uh, dispute it because... You can't dispute it because I've made a joke. It's kind of a passive aggression. But all those things that happen amongst us, they're not part of kingdom culture. I want us to have a culture, and I know this is, for some people this is going to be really difficult, that we, we become so ridiculously encouraging of one another that you, you think it's way over the top and some, some, some sad sack attitude comes in and says, you guys are unreal. Well, you know, I want to be an extremist of encouragement. Amen. You know, I, I'll tell you what, what gets things done in this world is extremists. And there's enough extremists of hate and death in this world. Let's have, have some extremists, kingdom extremists, that are so full of love and grace that they just can't help but encouraging each other and building each other up and helping each other heal up on the inside. Amen. That's what we need. That's what we need. There's enough people in our work world and in our life outside of the community of God that want to put us down. There's enough people that make us try and make us feel small. But when we come together in the community of God, there needs to be such an encouragement that you go out of there feeling like a million pounds. You go out there feeling like you are the best thing since sliced bread. Because in Christ, you are the best thing since sliced bread. You are everything he says you are and more. Sorry I'm getting excited, but this is exciting stuff. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a meek Christian. And I, I, I'll show my passion in a certain way. That, that, that will just be a blessing to those who are very, very near to me. Because that's the only ones who'll hear it. I'll say this to you, I am more of an introvert personality. Give me a quiet space, a book, and I'm quite happy. But I know that, that God doesn't want me just to be that in this life. He doesn't want me to just be that. In fact, that's not all he's made me to be. I love that part of who I am because I love doing that. I love reading. 
But it's not just that part of who I am. And I would say this, that God has given you wonderful personalities. Let his passion in his life shine through your personalities and be an encouragement to one another. Put your hand up if you ever like being put down. Oh, okay. So, can I ask the question, why in the house of God do we do that to each other then? Because we're still hurt and therefore hurting people hurt others. But as we receive that sense of acceptance and love, we won't hurt others. We'll be those that are encouraging to each other. You know, I'm not saying never have a joke. It's great to laugh and it's great to have a joke. But not at somebody else's expense. The church is about bringing people to wholeness. It's about advancing the kingdom. It's about speeding the day of Christ's return. What an amazing responsibility, brothers and sisters, that we have. That we can speed the day of Jesus' return by the way we live and the way we behave. Wow. What an awesome responsibility that is. Wow. How, How much, this is the amazing amazingness, that's not a word, the amazingness of our God, how much he trusts us. I'm going to trust those people to speed the day of my son's return to the earth. Wow. What responsibility you've been given. Wow. Let's look at a couple more scriptures, then I'll close. Acts 20. Go there with me. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he says some really interesting things here. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, verse 22, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await for me. Let me just say this. If we really are advancing the kingdom, there will be tribulation and there will be distress. So don't go looking for it in things that God never put on you as suffering. God never called us to suffer sickness for his name. He didn't. I don't care how many books out there tell you that. It's not in the word of God. But as we advance the kingdom of God, there will be tribulation and there will be suffering. But sometimes because we're not involved in advancing the kingdom of God, we have to make stuff up that God's not said. Do you hear my heart on that? I really think it's important that we grasp that because Paul had great tribulation, but he had great victory, didn't he? But none of these things move me. What an attitude. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Wow. So that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. What's that ministry? To testify to the gospel of grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no longer. I want to just, you can see by the bold on the screen, I want to connect the grace of God with the kingdom of God. The teaching of the kingdom of God is all about the grace of the gospel. It's to create a culture where grace, which is is an action of honoring out of love, Jesus so honored us and so loved us that he he stooped down and in his grace he saved us, isn't he? We sang about that this morning. And here Paul connects the preaching of the gospel of grace with preaching the kingdom of God. I remember 
seven, eight years ago, I was just waking up, and it was a Sunday morning, it was quite early, and I was between the state of awake and asleep, you know what I mean? You kind of go, oh, you know, like that. You so, Just between the two, you're sort of waking up, and I heard a voice, audible voice, it was a lady crying and wailing, like you see sometimes when they wail at funerals, you know, in the Middle East, they wail like that, it was kind of like that. I looked at my wife, she wasn't wailing, she was still sleeping, so it wasn't her wailing. And at that time we only had one uh, little one, Sophie, and she wasn't wailing. So I kind of opened the curtains and looked outside to see if there's anybody on the street, there was nobody there. And it happened again, an audible wailing. And because I'm really bright, eventually I said, uh, God, is this you speaking? <laughs> and I felt the Lord speaking to my heart and he said this, he said... You hear the sound of my bride, my church, wailing under the heaviness of condemnation. And it's time to set the church free. And um, <clears throat> that led in my ministry in, in the Midlands to just spend a whole lot of time both preaching on the grace of God, ministering the grace of God. And it changed my heart as well as anybody else's heart. And I just sense in my own prayer lately, God reminding me of that experience and saying that we need to understand the kingdom of God from a position of the grace of God. Not a position of law or legalism. Not a position of judgment, but a position of grace. That the hallmark of the New Testament community was that they were full of grace and full of truth. Amen. And God wants us to rediscover this amazing grace that we sing about. Because it will change the way we view ourselves. It will change our identity when we know how much God has bestowed upon us in his love. So when you talk about preaching the kingdom, it's not talking about anything other than preaching the gospel of grace. Because the way God does things is grace. I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. We serve a God, listen to this now, we serve a God that would rather die than hurt anybody. Just think about that for a moment. We serve a God that would rather die than hurt anybody, and he did on the cross. The hurts and pains that we experience are not from God, but he's made provision for our healing through the cross of Jesus Christ. But that's the kind of God we serve, and I don't think anybody, you know, as much as we have some great men and women of God in history, there's still so much to grasp in our day of this grace, and this a wonderful reconciliation God has done for us in Christ. There's something more that God wants us to grasp because it's going to affect how we advance the kingdom in a, in a real way. We have to have answers, brothers and sisters, to some of the questions out there. Some of the people's lives that have been ravaged by sin and ravaged by abuse and therefore live certain lifestyles and the church has been condemning of them before. But we have to be those that can show grace and show mercy because we've received it. But the problem is we only receive it that much and then we build on, on top of that grace and mercy, legalism and judgment. And God is saying enough is enough. My church is crying out and uh, under this bondage of condemnation and it's time for it to be free. And I believe that's all across this place, not just here. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says this, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which, listen, to, this, is what, this is what the kingdom's all about, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. 
God wants to build you up and build this community up in the grace of God. He wants to build your life up in the grace of God. He wants to build this whole advance of his kingdom across this town, across the villages and other towns of his sides. We won't do it without a revelation, an encounter with the grace of God. Can I say to you that the Holy Spirit in Hebrews chapter 10 is called the Spirit of Grace. Holy Spirit does not come to condemn. He comes to bring a revelation of grace. And it sets you free. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness speaks of the state of God's being. He is completely righteous. He is always right. (laughs) Peace speaks of the way God operates. He always operates out of peace. And joy speaks of his attitude in his operation. So he always brings peace, but where, this, where God operates is always great joy because that's the attitude he's constantly in. The Bible says in, in Psalm 2, he sits on his throne and he laughs. He sit, do you imagine that? Can you imagine the queen sitting on her throne and laughing at the opening of parliament? Well, that would make it a bit more interesting, wouldn't it? But our God sits on his throne and laughs. Heaven is an environment where there's such freedom in the Holy Spirit and people are so free that they can express their emotions in a positive way from a place of healing of the heart. The whole kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me put it a different way. The entire way God does things is in the Holy Spirit. The entire way God does things is in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, each of us, brothers and sisters, needs a a regular encounter and infilling and refreshing with the Holy Spirit. It isn't optional for those who want to advance the kingdom. (laughs) No matter how much we think we have advanced in, my word, there's just so much more to do, isn't there? We need the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me?